Mia. I'm really glad to be able to have the opportunity to be able to share in church today. Yes, I'm here in Armenia. Uh, this, this church that I'm in right now with this beautiful backdrop is uh, the city church of Abuvian, which is a city about a half hour from the capital of Armenia. I know a lot of people might not know where Armenia is located, so I'll, I'll help you just a little bit. Turkey is to the west. Small little country. Turkey's to the west, and then you have Azerbaijan to the east, Georgia, the small nation of Georgia, and then Russia further to the north, and Iran to the south. It's a small land that sits at a crossroads of nations. It's also a land that has endured much suffering over the centuries. I don't know if you know the stories, but uh, it was about a century ago right now when one of the worst genocides of the 20th century and maybe of all history took place when nearly 150 million Armenians were slaughtered by the Turkish Ottoman Empire. They struggled immensely as a nation. And once again, right now, the people of Armenia are suffering. At the end of uh, September of this year, the autonomous region of Nagorno-Karabakh, which is actually an Armenian, um, Armenian-run region, was, was bombed mercilessly. And over the course of the days and weeks that followed, nearly 150,000 refugees fled their homes, fled their towns, fled their cities. And they came to the country of Armenia next door, to their brothers, to their sisters. After 44 days, a peace deal was signed, yes. And that peace deal is in effect right now. But the people of Armenia are still suffering because much land was lost. People can't go back to their homes in many cases. People have nothing to go back to. And in some of the worst cases, people have lost their, their lives. People have lost brothers, fathers, sons, and still tens of thousands of refugees have nowhere to go. During the middle of this war, when it, when it first started, Mission Eurasia, the mission that I serve with, was watching and praying and listening to what was happening here in Armenia, in the South Caucasus. And we began to pray, how could we help the church there to help those that are hurting? I'm going to be introducing you to a friend of mine, Pastor Vazgen, a little bit later, and he'll share some of that story with you. But in short, Mission Eurasia came in to this area, and we've been serving here alongside of the church to provide food for refugees. The desire is to pass out 10,000 boxes just like these right here, filled with, a, filled with nearly 40 pounds worth of food for refugee families. Earlier today in the basement of this church, we actually collected and got ready 1,200 boxes and sent them on their way. That's going to help 30, uh, three or 4,000 people in total, maybe even more. Our desire is not just, of course, to provide food that comes from here, but also to share the gospel of Christ with every home, with every refugee that we meet as possible. 
a couple of days ago, our colleagues were, were visiting, going house to house, delivering boxes like this. And we went house to house, and, and we met one particular family. And I'd like to invite right now Ina. Ina is part of the Mission Eurasia team. Ina is from Ukraine. And I'd like Ina to share a little bit about our visit to one of those homes. Thank you. So, yes, we visited quite a few families, um, and um, one specific family that really touched my heart, and it was very special to me personally, and I would like to share that story with you. Uh, One of those families was of um, an uh, an older man uh, by the name of Vagan, and uh, he and his family are living right now in in Vanadzor. They also fled the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict and, um, when the, with the start of the war and um, um, are renting an apartment, a tiny apartment for a huge family. Uh, he has a wife and daughter and lots of little children were there and in that small apartment. And um, as we came in and um, brought the box to them and um, right away they, uh, they really wanted to uh, have a conversation with us. They wanted to sit us down and, and um, pulled out all the chairs that, it, that they had. And uh, we started talking and Vagan um, uh, shared his story of how they had everything um, right there in their home in Nagorno-Karabakh. And um, he said they had a beautiful home. They had a an orchard, he, and that's his passion, and it was very obvious. He just loved talking about his trees. It was over a thousand trees um, there, and, and, and he lost everything. In just one moment, when they had to, uh, to, to flee uh, with the family when, it were, when they were in danger, and um, so they left everything. And so he was telling his story, and he was just crying. He was so distraught. He was um, so upset, and I think even bitter because um, he could never return. He could never go back because that territory um, does not belong um, to Armenia anymore. And um, that was very hard to hear that story and just imagine all that he had and lost in just one uh, moment. But at, this, at the same time, we pointed out to him, but you have your family with you. And his eyes started to, to um, light up a little bit and his face. And, um, but as we shared more of um, God's word, um, we had a prayer guide that we shared with him that he could read um, the prayers and um, some scripture. Uh, and then also as um, we shared uh, scripture with him, reading and, um, and quoting it for him, um, you could really tell that he just, his face lit up and he, he was a different person. Um, he was just, um, he found hope in the midst of hope, hopelessness. And um, he thanked us so profusely at the end, like hugging us, each one of us, and just saying thank you so much. And he repeated it a few times. He said, I now have peace in my heart. And he just showed like this, I have peace in my heart and in my head. Because he had, apparently he had a headache when we uh, just came in. And then he said, um, I don't have a headache anymore. And he was just happy. And, and then he put his prayer guide in his pocket. And he said, I will read it. And um, once again, ga- gave us big hugs. We took a pal- couple of pictures and um, said goodbyes. And it was just a special moment. And um, as we were leaving, he hugged me tightly um, personally. And, and he said, 
I feel you're just, just like my daughter. And um, thank you so much for coming uh, to my home and sharing. And um, so it was just a huge blessing. I know it was a blessing for us, for, for them, but it was also a blessing for us that we were able to share a little bit of tangible uh, love, you know, God's love for him and his family, and um, bring that, you know, God's peace into, into their lives in the midst of that unrest that they still might feel or, or experience. But um, praise God that we were able to share um, his love and um, his hope um, in the midst of such difficulties. Thank you so much, Ina. Yes, in the midst of difficulties, this man was able to begin to look up to God. And that's what I'd like to encourage us to be doing this morning. I know that we just finished a rough year. I'm preaching this message to you before the year is out. But 2020 has been a difficult year for all of us. I don't even need to list through the different things that it's been, but I know many of us have struggled. Many of us have suffered. Some have even lost family. Brothers and sisters, what I want us to do tonight is I want us to follow the example of the prophet Isaiah. Let's turn in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 6. Isaiah was in a difficult time in his life. And when he was in depression and discouragement and struggle and pain, God lifted up his eyes and showed him himself again and transformed him. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. In the year that King Uzziah died... You might just read that real quickly and just go by, but that's the place where we can find the heart of Isaiah, where he was at this point. Who was this king? Who was Uzziah? He was a friend. He was even a relative. In 2 Chronicles verse 26, chapter 26, verse 4, it says that Uzziah did right in the eyes of the Lord. He sought the Lord. He feared God, and God gave him success. Uzziah fought many battles. He strived to make the people of Israel turn from their wicked ways and turn back to God. It's the exact same thing that the prophet Isaiah was trying to do. They were partners in ministry. But at the end of Uzziah's life, Second Chronicles chapter 26, verse 16, and you don't have to turn there right now. All of a sudden, his success turned into pride. His power and his success became his downfall, and he entered the temple of the Lord to offer incense, which was the job only of the priests. Eighty priests confronted him, and yet he wouldn't relent. And in anger, while he was responding to them, Leprosy broke out on his face, and he was quickly taken away, and he lived the rest of his days all by himself. And then he died. Isaiah's friend, partner in ministry, someone who betrayed him, yes, but he's dead. He's gone. And at that point, I saw the Lord, Isaiah, Isaiah says, seated on the throne, high and exalted. 
brothers and sisters, at this time in our lives here in Armenia and in the United States, let's lift up our eyes and look at the Lord once again, high and exalted on the throne. And when we look at the book of Isaiah, we can see that Isaiah actually enters the worship, a worship room. He enters the room right where, where God is, and, and it's like a worship service. Uh, verse 2 talks about seraphims who were flying around and serving. Their faces were covered, but they were serving the Lord day and night. In verse 3, he even hears the worship songs that are being sung in this worship service. As the seraphims call out one to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. He sees God. He hears the songs of the seraphims singing that he is holy. The God that we worship is perfect in all of his ways, in all of his thoughts, in all of his deeds, in everything that he is and in everything that he does. God is perfect. It also says the whole earth is full of his glory. What does the glory of the Lord speak of? The glory of the Lord talks about the very presence of God. It's interesting in the Old Testament, when we're talking about the glory of God, there's one instance when a cloud of smoke came into the temple and the priests had to back away because of what? Because of the glory of the Lord, because of the very presence. He was there in their midst. Isaiah hears about a God who is holy and distant because he's a sinner and yet close and intimate with him. We just celebrated Christmas. Talk about intimacy with God. Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah stands in this worship service, sees God, hears the song, and he's overwhelmed by what he hears and even feels. Verse 4, at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. And how did Isaiah respond? Woe is me. Woe is me. For I am a man with unclean lips and I live among the people with unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. This is a prophet. This is a preacher. This is a, a pastor in an Old Testament context. And you know, one chapter earlier in chapter 5, Isaiah lists all of the woes as he's preaching to the people of Israel who are standing in sin. And he says, woe to those who add house to house and join field to field until there is no, no more room. That's 5 verse 8. Woe to those who build up things for themselves. 5.18, woe to hypocrites. 5.20, woe to those who exchange truth for lies. 5.21, woe to the proud. Isaiah rightfully points a finger at everyone, and now, as he stands before a holy God, he points his finger at himself and says, Woe, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. And then in verse six, verses 6 and 7, something miraculous takes place. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. The weight 
of sin was removed through this this illustration of cleansing the prophet stands before a holy god and is able to boldly stand before him and worship him brothers and sisters when i think about cleansing when i think about forgiveness i'm totally amazed do we ever stop and think about the gospel itself what God has done for us through his son. Jesus became a man. We celebrated at Christmas. He lived a holy life. He died willingly in our place as a sacrifice for our sins. He was buried and then rose again. And now he he is preparing a place for us in glory. Brothers and sisters, that is our hope for those of us that believe in Jesus. That's the hope that we're trying to share as we take these boxes to refugees and around Armenia. That they would have hope of living with God through eternity and hope for abundant life now. There is nothing greater than being forgiven, but than being given salvation from the king of the universe. I'd like to introduce you to another friend. This is Pastor Vazgen. Pastor Vazgen is the pastor of this church, City Church in Obovian. And we had the privilege of meeting just about six weeks ago, but I feel like I've become a really good friend with Pastor Vazgen. Would you come and, and share a little bit of your story and just uh, what God's been doing in your church and in your life in these uh, last few months? Thank you, Don. Hello, dear friends. I'm privileged to greet you from Armenia. I don't know whether you heard about my nation or not, but here we are. And history says that we were the first nation who officially adopted Christianity. So uh, we are still here, although surrounded by millions of uh, Muslims who just think uh, of destroying you. But we are here to confess our faith and to proclaim the gospel uh, among the nations. So uh, something I would like to add, if you allow, dear brother, from this chapter, when Isaiah met the Lord and he saw his majesty and when he um, enjoyed the glory, he uh, experienced it, it, and then uh, he realized that he was a sinner he felt that condemnation in his heart and then he said that he was a sinner and uh, woe is me for I am undone and ruined because I'm a man of unclean lips. Sometimes when we feel the glory of God, when we feel his uh, presence, we also have this sense in our hearts that we are not worthy of this glory. We are not worthy of his kindness and love. And that is true. But praise God for his mercy and grace. Praise God for the Lord Jesus Christ who uh, made us worthy of his love and mercy. And then when he felt the touch of seraphim, uh, the angel, and then it says, and with it, he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity and guilt are taken away, and your sin is completely atoned for and forgiven. And 
at that point when we realize that we are sinners and when we confess in our sins, uh, we feel the touch of the Lord. He touches us, He cleans us, and this is not the complete work. There is another thing that we must face. And then suddenly Isaiah heard a voice, a question. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here I am, send me. We see that he was just, uh, uh, he was in the presence of the Lord, enjoying it. He, he was uh, feeling his presence all, all around, but he got another challenge from God. You know, just enjoying my presence is not enough. You need to act. As soon as you are cleansed, as your sins were taken away, now you need to do something for the uh, kingdom of the Lord. So this is what we experienced here in Armenia. We were enjoying His peace, His presence, and we were praying uh, to use us. And then suddenly... The war started against Armenia. Actually, psychologically, we were not ready for that. Uh, although I think no one is ready for a war. Uh, that was really terrible to be attacked by huge countries such as Turkey, Azerbaijan, Syrian mercenaries and terrorists. And we felt afraid also. But then we, we prayed, we said, Lord, use us send me that was the key point uh, when you meet the lord when you enjoy his presence you have uh, this need uh, this calling in your heart lord i want to do something for you you know it could be egoistic just to ex uh, enjoy his presence without doing anything just to find your comfort zone enjoying your life enjoying peace in your country and enjoying your family life, that's, that is good. But you need to realize that God needs you. He wants to use you for the needs of other people. So when the war started, we were praying and we said, Lord, use our church also to reach more people, to help more people. We, we, we didn't uh, think that God would use us in this way, but He did it. We put an announcement on our Facebook page welcoming refugees to our church building. And we said our church uh, building uh, is open for all the refugees that need to find uh, shelter. So, welcome to our church. We didn't expect so many reactions and requests, but suddenly I got more than uh, 200 phone calls on my mobile, mobile phone. Uh, and uh, he, here there were people uh, calling me and asking for help because they saw our uh, announcements. And uh, so, as, as a result... We had 2,000 people. Actually, our church is not big. Uh, we have just 200 members in our, in our city. 
But having 2,000, it's a real challenge for us. It was a big challenge. But then I felt in my heart uh, as if God uh, uh, made a challenge for us. And then I decided to challenge God. I said, God, as many refugees as you send to our city, I will never say no to them. Because I realized that that was God who used to send those people to our city. So by the help of God, we could find uh, enough place for those people and provide not only bread, food, and clothes, but, but also provide the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. So as a result, many people got saved. Many people got water baptism. And I just want to share one short testimony of a, a young mother who lost uh, her relatives, who lost her house in Nagorno-Karabakh, in war zone uh, region. And he just could uh, take her two children with her. Uh, leaving uh, alone uh, her um, husband in a war and uh, coming to our city with her children. When we were baptizing her, she stopped us and she said, Pastor, I want to share something. She was, usually she was very calm. We, uh, she, she was not talking too much. But at that moment, we felt that she was going to tell us something important. And then she said, Pastor, I want to testify before all those people who uh, share this moment with me. I lost my house in Nagorno-Karabakh, but I found Jesus in this city. Terrorists, they occupied my apartment, my house in Nagorno-Karabakh, but after that, Jesus occupied my heart. And she said, uh, now I realize that it is worth to pass through those difficulties just only to find Jesus. Her words really touched my heart. And then I realized that Lord really answered to our, uh, uh, to our uh, prayer. When we prayed, we said, Lord, use us. Here I am, Lord, send us. He didn't send us to the war zone, but he sent to us 2,000 refugees and gave us a chance to help them and to lead them to Christ. So uh, I would challenge you as well, dear friends, just to make this prayer in your heart. So Lord, here I am. I am so thankful that I can see you in my life. I can enjoy your glory. I can enjoy your touch. I am cleansed. I am saved. I am safe. And I enjoy my life, but this is not the end. Lord, use me. Lord, send me. Because the real happiness is not what you have. The real happiness is what you give, what you share, what you help people. So also, uh, pr uh, friends, I would like to thank you for your prayers, for standing uh, with us, and for just being around us and encouraging us. I ask, Lord, and I pray that God would grant his glory and God would bless you abundantly in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you, Pastor Vazgen. There's not a lot more that I need to say. Isaiah was in a hard place. The people of Armenia were in a hard place. The whole world has been in difficulties and struggles. Lift up your eyes and see the Lord and let him transform you. I ask him to let him transform me and help us to be willing to answer the question that the Lord asks Isaiah, as Pastor Vazgen has already read, then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? As Pastor Vazgen has already challenged us, may our response be very simply, here am I, send me. Use me, Lord, however it is you want to lose me. use me. Enable me, empower me. I know you can. And help me to live for your glory at work, at school, at play, at home. Lord, use me. Send me wherever you might want to send me, whether that be to a neighbor or over here to Armenia or somewhere else in the world. Lord, here am I. Send me. Let's pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the challenge of your word, the examples that we find from a prophet like Isaiah. And Lord, I thank you so much for friends like Ina and Pastor Vazgen who've shared from their heart. Lord, thank you for brothers and sisters in a place like this who passionately want to follow you and serve you and follow the example of Isaiah. And Lord, may that be an example to us, to the whole church, to say, here am I, send me, use me. Lord, as we close, I just want to pray for the nation of Armenia, for the Nagorno-Karabakh region. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would bring peace. Yes, peace from war, but even more so, Lord, we pray that they would have, that the people of this place, this region, would have peace in their hearts because they have peace with God through Jesus Christ. We thank you for this opportunity to be able to share this morning. In Jesus' precious name, amen.